Hello and welcome to episode two of the Social Work Leaders podcast. Today I'm joined by an inspiring social work leader, a social worker who has found her own lane and is doing amazing things in the social work immigration sector. It's really lovely for me to be able to do this episode with Jo. She's a social worker whose work I'm in awe of and I really respect her work rate and what she's creating within the social work field. So it was a pleasure for me to have this conversation with her where she shared lots of great advice and gave lots of great insight. I hope you enjoy it. Hi Jo. Hi. Thanks for joining me on here. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. I'm just really excited to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me. I love podcasts. It's my new favourite thing. I'm obsessed. So thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. No, absolutely. I really wanted to have you here um, because, of course, we've known each other for a while now. And I've always been so inspired by your work um, and really interested in it as well. Um, And every time we've caught up and we've had a conversation, I've always left in awe, really, of the work that you're doing, Jo. Um, Oh, that's very kind. It, no, absolutely, is the, is the truth, your work rate um, and how you've kind of managed to develop a passion of yours um, within social work into a real successful business. So you were definitely one of the first people that came to mind when I was putting this podcast together because I was like, I, I know what you do, but everyone else needs to know what you do too. So I'm glad you're here. Oh, thank you. What a lovely introduction. That's very kind. Oh, no worries at all. Um, So I like to start by getting to know you as an individual um, and understanding your social work journey as well. So if I was to ask you, who is Jo, what what would come to mind? Um, So, um, yeah, I'm Jo um, and I am a qualified, registered and practicing social worker. um, But um, and I always identify as a social worker first, but technically I'm a director of my own business. So directors on my um, my email, which I find really weird. I definitely yeah. feel like I'm not a director, <laughs> but I am. I am. Um, so yes, I own my own company, um, and I specialise in immigration-based social work. Um, so predominantly, it is around working with separated migrant children and young people. Um, I do a lot of age assessment work. Um, we do things like triple planning, no recourse to public funds, human rights assessments, things like that. So any kind of social work where there is an immigration-based element to it, yes. I'm your girl. Um, I've really niched down in this, so I know a lot about a really, really tiny area of social work, um, which I'm really, really grateful for, to have had that opportunity to, to really focus on one particular bit rather than having to try and spread myself over yes um, you know a number of disciplines so yeah, so that's did me. you so when you qualified joe did you always know that immigration social work was going to be your thing or yeah how did it happen how did you fall into that well um like all good social work stories it started off with a degree in dance um as ah. you do <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, in my long story short in one of my um summer breaks I did some admin work some temp work at a social services office um just typing up like child protection notes and things like that and they got me on the front desk and so I had a really quick crash course in um child protection social work and and managing families with you know at the front desk who were obviously experiencing difficulties and, and challenges and things like that and I just loved it it really opened my eyes um and I thought right okay that's what I want to do so I switched courses and to do a social care higher national diploma 
Um, and then I did my degree and well, no, actually that's not true. Then I got a job um, as a family support practitioner um, in a child and care team, um, mm. which I loved. So I've done kind of, child, actually, no, it was child protection first. I did safeguarding first, then child and care. Blah, blah, blah. I did six years as a family support worker. Then I was very fortunate to be sponsored to do my degree. Um, and when, uh, because I was sponsored, we got kind of first pick over our placements. And my first placement had to be an adult's placement. Um, and I asked to go and work in this team called the Make a Change team, which was in Ipswich. And that was um, developed after, I don't know if you remember the Ipswich murders, the Steve yeah. Wright murders, where he killed a lot of sex workers. Yeah. So the Make a Change team was a new team set up in response to that. Um, so it was a multi-agency team of police and social workers. So I did my placement there and I just loved it. Um, I was working with women who were sexually exploited through prostitution. And um, I specialized in that with the police and I just loved it. And because of that, there was obviously an element of international trafficking. Um, so I ended up doing that and I worked for the police after that placement and um, just to keep my foot in the door and then it just kind of snowballed from there really because um I was doing rape crisis work with the police in the evenings and weekends in addition to my so sorry that's my daughter running up the stairs if you yeah. can hear that in the background <laughs> um because of the work I was doing with the police um it ended up that every time I had um a, a, a case discussion when I qualified um if there was a penis or a vagina involved in the, in the case, it would automatically be allocated to me because they were like, oh, you know about that stuff. <laughs> um, and then I sort of, yeah, and because of that, I ended up doing kind of trafficking and one day slavery stuff. Um, I specialised in that uh, just because I took a particular interest. And then, you know, naturally that I ended up in a US team, which I loved. Mm. So I did kind of frontline work for a while. And then uh, I got my best job, which was working for something called a strategic migration partnership where I sat between kind of Westminster and the Department for Education and the Home Office. So I sat at kind of central government level between central government and local governments. So I was providing operational and strategic support to 11 local authorities around their separated migrant children populations. So kind of handing down Westminster briefings to the directors of children's services and then raising concerns up to Westminster to try and get more support, things like that. So it was a real political role, which I loved. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell, really. Wow. It's so interesting because actually even the work that you were doing with the police was quite specialist as well in terms of mm. in sex work. So it sounds like specialism in a way has always been something you've been quite interested in. Would you say that's the case? Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. I think I have a kind of neurodiverse um habit of definitely hyper focusing on something so if I'm interested in it I love to learn everything about it um, yes. so yeah when I I really wanted a, a first place that I could really get my teeth into and that just really was so fascinating to me I knew nothing about sex work um, and I'm oh gosh I should I tell you a funny story about that so um, I was doing <laughs> I was doing some work with um, some sex workers who were amazing, amazing women. I love them all. They're just fab to work with. And um, I was so naive. And I had a woman talking to me about the differences between um, street sex work and brothel sex work. Yeah. And um, how um, street sex work was inherently more dangerous and brothel sex work was more, uh, was a bit safer, but had obviously its own different risks and things like that. And I said to her, like, okay, that's really interesting. I was driving her to an appointment. So I remember being in the car with her and I said, oh, that's fascinating. Like how, how do you make the jump then from street sex work into um, brothel sex work? Like, how does that transition happen? And she went, oh, you go around and hand your CV, your CV in. And I went, really? And she went, no, you're an idiot. Oh. 
so yeah I just I yeah I think when I'm really interesting something I really yeah I go full everything and I want to know everything about it yes and it's interesting you say that because I think with immigration-based social work when we first started talking and connected it Mm. made me realize anyway that it was an area I definitely didn't know enough about um and an area that I felt needed more attention and conversation Mm. but then I was mindful that actually did I only feel that way because it wasn't necessarily an area that I um specialized in so didn't understand as much but do you think it's an area that needs a bit more attention and focus or more more attention than it gets I guess 100% I think this should be a mandatory training module when you're doing your degree um absolutely because we take immigration status for granted in the UK Um, as a UK British citizen I don't even question my ability to remain here but that is not the case for every young person um there are so many young people in the UK without a regularized immigration status through and they're probably not even aware of it and I think it's something that we need to be more conscious of. I'm really concerned about our EU children in care um, who have social workers who may not realise that those young people have to regularise their status because they no longer have permission to stay in the UK if they don't have their EU settled status. Mm. Um, And I'm really worried that we're going to have a massive Windrush scandal again because all of a sudden we're going to see all these young people start to receive deportation letters um, because they actually don't have the legal right to be here because their immigration was not regularised in their time in care, which is shocking. I mean, the way I kind of look at it, if you kind of go proper old school social work theory, you're talking about the hierarchy of needs, your immigration status is right at the bottom. If you do not have regularised immigration status, everything else is superfluous. Um, it's that kind of real basic need of safety um, yes. because yeah it's we we operate under a hostile environment policy our home office is not welcoming to migrants um it's actively hostile towards them and it owns that policy so um as social workers we need to protect our young people from that policy um, and the best way to do that is regularizing their status through good high quality legal advice but i don't think like you say if you don't know you don't know you don't, you don't. and actually sometimes it's about I think for social workers who don't know not having the confidence to even know where to start where to ask those questions um Mm. I think you're right it's absolutely something that I think should be mandatory that we learn a module around immigration-based social work because it's the reality of what we are working with every day Mm. yeah absolutely and I think there's a really fine balance to be struck between social workers asking these immigration questions straight away but doing it for the right reasons I don't think we should become border control we should not be sort of feeding into the state idea that we're monitoring everybody's status because that's not cool either this should purely should be coming from a need perspective okay what is your status are you secure if not how can we make that happen for you not actually are you entitled to services let's have a look at that and see if we can get away with not providing that because you know you have no recourse to public funds or something we don't want to that's not the aim of it. It really is to make sure that young people have that security. It's a, it's really tricky. It's such a tricky balance. It is. It is. So I guess for you, as an, and I'm calling you an immigration-based social worker, Joe. is that what you call yourself? Yeah, yeah. I think that's as good a title as any. Yes. So what, what, kind, what does that mean? What kind of work do you do? What do you do on a day-to-day basis? So my work now, um, I am an independent social worker, so I'm freelance, and so I do a kind of number of things. I deliver training, so I deliver training to social workers and other frontline practitioners around 
immigration-based social work. And predominantly things like age assessment. I do a lot of age assessment training, um, triple planning, human rights assessments, those kind of things. Um, I also act as an expert witness in court, um, particularly on age assessment. So um, normally if there's a challenge against the local authority that's in the high court, um, and there is some question around the impartiality of the, the local authorities assessment, um, I can be brought in to provide a, an objective view on that. Um, so that's the kind of, um, yeah, the social work assessment side of it. And then I do consultancy work. So I write policies um, for local authorities and provide uh, support, advice and assistance to those authorities, helping them manage the separated migrant children population, because lots of local authorities are very new to this work and don't really know what they're doing. Um, it's really interesting to see how many local authorities are operating in this field without a policy. And I'm thinking, like, under what other area of social work do we operate without a policy? Like, that's terrifying. Why do you not have a policy on working with these children? It's crazy. That's so true. And it's, it's so interesting because it sounds like your work is so diverse. And mm. the basis of what your passion is, which is immigration based social work. But from what I'm hearing and what I'm what I know that you're doing, you're able, you've leveraged, I guess, those skills and you're able to make an impact on a greater scale. So it's not, mm. it's no longer about, um, I guess, that one-to-one -one work, which is incredibly important, but it's about supporting a workforce around how yeah. they can support children and young people with um, immigration-based challenges. And I, I think that's really incredible, actually. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, I don't case hold, you know, I'm not going to be making differences in children's lives. But if I can support those workers that are doing that, that I think is where the real, the real magic happens, if you like, um, you know, and I can I can target 20 social workers at a time with that. I can give 20 social workers the same information that will hopefully go back and affect, you know, their caseload, you know, that will change the way that they practice or just not change it. That's probably a bit extreme, but just adapt it or, or give them new inspiration or new ideas and ways to maybe make their young people's care plans a bit more in depth or a bit more um individual or uh, you know more case law compliant in some, in some circumstances Absolutely. um yeah I can have a real impact in that way I think and I think you are still having an impact Joe, on children and young people it just doesn't feel as direct because you're not having the yeah. with them directly because when I speak to social workers sometimes around leadership on a on a bigger scale more so what you're doing Joe that's sometimes the fear of social workers that oh I'm going to be too far removed from practice I'm I'm not going to be working um and making a difference to children and young people but actually I, I think the opposite that you are absolutely because if you are supporting mm. a group of social workers to make a difference actually you're making a huge difference um to children and young people on an even greater scale so I think it's yeah important to remember that yeah absolutely and I love it I love it so much when social workers come back to me after my training and say hey Joe, I, I I implemented this thing that you taught us and actually it went really well and this kid has done x y and z or um actually you know I had that discussion that really tricky discussion about voluntary return um and actually although he shot me down the first time uh, the next time I met him, we went for a walk and he was open to it and although um you know it just enabled me to to make sure he knew his rights yes. um and he, she said, you know, before I would have given up because I was too worried about not having, you know, having that difficult conversation. But because of you, I persevered. And actually, this young person now knows what his rights and entitlements are, which is something he didn't know previously. So, yeah, I love it when that happens. That's really, it's really nice. Because even though I'm a leader, uh, in your words, 
<laughs> still not quite sure if I, I stick up to me with that so much. But it, um, I still need uh, positive feedback sometimes. <laughs> to kind yes. of go, okay, you're doing the right thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And what about, because I can imagine as um, with some of your your training that you do, I wondered, um, you spoke about having difficult conversations because I can imagine... I mean, with all social work, really, but just thinking immigration based social work at the moment, there are, I guess, social workers are hearing really difficult stories from children and young people mm. all of the time, you know, and yeah. actually sometimes stories, the majority of the time stories that you'd never imagine um, mm. a child experiencing. And I wondered if you had any advice for social workers hearing some of those experiences from children and young people and and how to manage that? Yeah, really good question. I mean, definitely, I think, you know, having worked in safeguarding and in care, um, stories from separated migrant children are the worst that you ever hear, just because some of the atrocities they go through, they literally have witnessed the worst of humanity. Mm. Um, and that is hard. So I suppose my advice would be to look after yourself, definitely. Supervision is so, so important. Go and debrief. It's perfectly okay to go and have a sob because the world is really, really horrible at times and that is hard to hear. But get it out. Don't kind of bottle it up. That's the worst thing you can do. Um, but the other thing is to kind of hold on to hope. I know it sounds super, super cheesy, but the thing that used to get me through um, is observing these young people who have gone through the most horrendous experiences imaginable then go and join a cricket club or start football or learn to write their name in English or, you know, make a, a new friend that they hadn't met before um, or be invited around to someone else's house for tea. Like that, these are huge, huge things. And it just, I mean, I honestly don't know how I'd get up in the morning if I'd gone through some of the things that they go through, but they are the most inspirational young people to work with because they just get up and get on with it. Yeah. And so you've got to kind of make time for that as well. Like it's not enough to just do all the kind of crisis stuff, make time to go and see them in their happy space and, and achieving the nice things as well because that's obviously great for them <laughs> um, but also really really good for you because you can see okay look this kid's gone through that horrendous experience but actually he's coming out the other side and he survived it and that's the real a real really inspirational if you can observe it I feel really honored to be able to and privileged to have had that um, experience. No I can imagine that is so true um, holding on to hope um, and just listening I guess listening to to their stories because I think sometimes especially with um social workers we have this inherent need to help and do and I think sometimes mm. actually I can imagine um that just listening actually just listening can be enough sometimes and be a real powerful tool for some of um the children and young people that have gone through such horrific experiences just to know that you're there and you care um just mm. listening I'm sure that that can be incredibly powerful yeah, absolutely. And just apologising and just saying, you know, the amount of times I've said to young people, you know, I'm so sorry you've had to go through that. That should not have happened to you. And they've just been so relieved that some, an adult has told them that yes. um, and validated their experiences as being horrendous. Um, because I do think there's this kind of unwritten bias that the young people that we work with, the separated migrant children, that they they kind of just go through those experiences. That's what they have to do because that's kind of where they come from. And I'm like, good Lord, no. Oh. You know, if you can imagine, you know, some of the stories I hear are truly horrendous and graphic and violent. And then you think, gosh, if that had happened to a citizen child, we'd be all over that as a local authority. Really? Absolutely. But with our, with our separated migrant children population, we just assume, well, it's kind of what they go through, isn't it? I don't yes. know if it still has the same damaging effect. We should be all over this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
Wow, wow. So, I mean, that's what is interesting because as you described earlier, you were already working within a social work space that you loved um, and you were working with migrant children, um, unaccompanied asylum seekers. So what was your motivation for founding um, immigration social work services? Um, because you were, you were kind of already doing something similar. So what made you do that? Yeah, so I was in the Strategic Migration Partnership, which again, I absolutely I adored that job. I, I, I couldn't have wished for a better role. I absolutely loved it. I'm quite a political person. And that was just, I mean, I had it was a politically restricted post. So that was tricky um, for me because I'm quite vocal about something. <laughs> um, so that was hard, but I did love that role. But um, I did three years and I kind of felt like I was beginning, not to burn out that it, it wasn't as extreme as that, but I felt like, I'd done what I'd set out to do. I'd achieved what I wanted to achieve. And actually, I think if I'd have carried it on, I wouldn't have been bringing my best self to that role anymore. And um, mm -hmm. I think I'd, I'd had enough and I was getting to a point where I was getting a bit cynical and a bit um, frustrated with the kind of bureaucratic political process and just thought, actually, I'm not gonna make as much impact here as I have done in the last three years. So I wanna leave on a high, I wanna leave while my reputation is still good. Um, yes. And I also wanted a, so that in combination with the better kind of work-life balance um, really sort of was the motivator for me to, to set up my own company. And I love being my own boss. I love it so much. It's really, it's really nice. <laughs> I can imagine. I honestly, I can imagine it is amazing, um, but that, that it also comes with challenges as well. Would you say there've been challenges on your journey? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, it's constantly up and down. It's a, it, Yeah, I, I'm either I go from being super excited and um, over enthusiastic and coming home going, oh, my God, this wonderful things happened today. And then the next day, going, oh, my God, this awful things happened today. <laughs> um, so it is. And there's a lot of responsibility, but I could not go back now. I couldn't work for anybody else. I'd find that really tough. I love being in control of my caseload. I love being in control of what I want to do and what I don't want to do. Um, you know, I get, I'm very lucky in that I've built up a really good reputation. So now I can kind of pick the jobs that are, that are particularly interesting to me. And I go, oh, that sounds really cool. I might have a go at that one myself. Um, yeah. Or I can just delegate it to other people. Um, yes. if they're kind of more <laughs> the mill stuff I've done 30,000 times before. Um, so it's really nice. I like being able to kind of have control over my, my work, um, which you just cannot have in a local authority. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, when I speak about leadership, often I'm thinking and speaking about leveraging existing skills that you have and then developing further leadership skills. Um, and do you feel that setting up your own social work business has allowed you to do that? Yeah, definitely. I've had to learn a lot of new stuff. Um, I mean, just running a business on its own um, is completely alien and, and goes against, you know, alien. everything that we ever learn as a social worker. Absolutely. You know, I had to understand about limited companies and sole traders and all of that kind of stuff and have marketing plans. I was like, what the hell is a marketing plan? Yes. Yes. Um, so, I mean, I've really enjoyed it. I love learning how to run a business. Um, so this, that's been the challenge, I think, is to try and learn all of these brand new skills from an industry that I have, well, a business idea that I, you know, I've never learned about business. I didn't do business studies or anything like that. So learning all of those skills while still trying to have an impact um, and, and maintain the kind of social work values that I hold and, um, you know, what I'm setting out to achieve. That, that's been tricky, but really, really good fun. Um, I've really enjoyed it. It's been hard work, but it's been good. 
I can imagine because Joe, you're so right. I, I feel like social work and business are two words that for, for some reason don't seem to go that together. Well, we feel that they don't go together, but they absolutely mm. go together. Um, so you're, you're so right. I can imagine it's starting, well, it is, I, I know it's about starting going right back to basics sometimes and learning brand new skills, which can be challenging, but can be so exciting as well. So yeah, yeah I get that. I think we already had the skills though. Like when I was learning about marketing, I initially kind of was like, oh, okay, I need to do some funny reels on Instagram or something. Like that's what marketing is. <laughs> and then when I sat down with, <laughs> with a marketing coach, um, she was talking to me about um, like what my business offer was and where the pressure points were for my customers and things like that. And I was like, oh, you're just doing an assessment. You're doing a needs assessment on your yeah. customer base. And going, okay, so what do you need? Oh, you need someone to come in and do age assessments for you really quickly because you've got no staff, no training, and you're overstretched because your caseloads are so high. Oh, I can do that. I can meet that need by providing expert social workers yeah. to come in and do that for you at a cost. So we have these transferable skills and we just don't think we do. Um, yeah, I think that I, I'm a really big fan of social workers going into into independent social work and running our own business. I think there's a lot that we can bring to the table. I agree. I honestly believe that every company needs a social worker. <laughs> I feel that social workers Ooh. can go into any company and honestly thrive in it because our skills are so transferable. When you just think mm. of basic skills that we have, communication skills, active listening skills, empathy, you know, these are skills that that it's our bread and butter. We just do that every day. And these are real basic skills that are needed in every every single business. So I honestly think mm. as long as we learn the basics of the role, <laughs> social workers can thrive in almost any environment. Yeah. Do you know, I've not thought about that before, but I think you're probably right. I mean, it makes complete sense, doesn't it? Yeah, honestly, I do believe that. Um, and I agree. I'm, I'm such a fan of hearing stories of um, social workers who have done something that little bit different um, and found their niche and run with it, really. Yeah. Um, do you think social workers? I guess that was linking to what you you sounds like you're mm. about to say. Do you think social workers, as social workers, we need to find our niche a little bit more? Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm such a big fan of this idea. Um, I think you know I really valued my time in the safeguarding and child and care team. I think it gave me a really really fantastic grounding in all things childcare. So I, I couldn't be where I am now without that experience. So I think that it's really important that social workers do have that. Um, but I'm a really big fan of finding your niche and doubling down on it, because if you've got finding your area that really lights you up, um, I think you can bring a lot more to the table when you do that. So, you know, I can elevate, you know, if I was still case holding, I could elevate those young people because of my expertise in this area. I know immigration inside and out and backwards and forwards. Um, so I could get around it. I could do all those creative elements of social work to make sure this young person's needs were not only met, but he was prospering under my care. Yes. Um, now, if you gave me a case where there was, uh, I don't know, a child and family case where there was domestic abuse, I could get them through it. I think I could you know, manage the care proceedings, but I wouldn't be bringing my best. Um, and I don't think I'm doing as good service to that family compared to a social worker who knows domestic abuse inside and out. Um, that, you know, that social worker would be able to give that family a much better experience than I could. Um, so I do think we should think about niching. Um, I think it's really important. I, I think we can definitely bring a lot more value to our clients absolutely if we have that expertise and we're given that space to develop that expertise because that's yes. the other thing as well developing it absolutely because I always 
I always say social workers are ma a master of all trades, um, not a jack of all trades, because I think we wear so many hats and we do it well. But I agree, mm. there's just something special about specialism, honing in on that area that you're passionate about, that you can learn about in depth um, and go out there and do something with that. Honestly, I think there's something really special about that. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, if I was to ask you, Joe, what social work leadership means to you, what would you say? Ooh, really good question. For me, I suppose it's about, oh God, it sounds so cheesy, like <laughs> inspiring <laughs> others to bring their best um, for their clients. So for me, it's through training and consultancy work to empower the people I'm teaching or the people I'm working with to just take that next step along their journey in this field um, and in specialism. So taking that next step for that young person, whether that's having difficult, more difficult conversations, whether that's getting a policy in place, it's just taking their practice up to the next level. So continuously striving to go, okay, that's great. We're at this level now. How can we just go one step further? Yes. So for me, I suppose that's what it would be with regards to the kind of training and consultancy side. And with regards to the, the practical side, I think I'm really, I feel really strongly about keeping up to speed with what's going on on the ground so I still do age assessments myself because I can't practice what I, you know I need to be able to practice what I preach I can't very well sit there and talk to a room of delegates and say this is how you should be doing something but have it, I haven't done it for six months that would be ridiculous um, so I suppose from a practical perspective leadership to me is doing the job well and showing people how it can be done but also being humble about it and going I still make mistakes as well like I'm no. not perfect no, nobody's infallible um, but, but learning from those mistakes and going it's okay you can grow from that um, and, and showing that you are, I'm comfortable with making mistakes because then that hopefully will allow other people to feel comfortable making mistakes and therefore not hinder them and kind of go well oh no I, I buggered that up I can't I can't do it again because it's too scary yes um, so kind yeah. of being that like role role model oh that doesn't sound yeah. right either <laughs> it's yeah yeah and, and I love that, that idea, Joe, it's about like you said not being afraid to make mistakes and owning those mistakes and I yeah. often say myself that I don't know the answers to everything but I'm going to find out and we're going to find out together. So it's about yeah. Yeah, being open to making mistakes, being open to not knowing things, um, but being creative and, and resourceful and trying to find that information out um, with those that you're working with. Um, so yeah, I really love yeah. that. And doing it with people, that's the other yes. thing with leadership for me, because I think, you know, I've seen a lot of different types of leaders and I definitely know which side I would prefer to be on. And it's, it's not that side of kind of authoritarian, masculine, white male 50 plus <laughs> type management style is not um you know that's not my thing um you know the best leaders I've had are women who have stood by me and gone right how are we doing this then what do you want to do and that for me is really that's where good leadership I starts that. I think going okay what do you need how are we going to do it how are we going to do this I love that honestly I do so Joe, what is your vision for immigration social work services what can we expect to see oh gosh well I've just taken on my first social worker my first full-time social worker congratulations which is really exciting is thank exciting. you oh, yeah. yeah it's amazing and he's brilliant I'm so 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 happy that he's come and joined the team um, I think he's I think he's definitely one to watch out for um, he's going to be fantastic um, so I don't know at the moment I'm still trying to take it in baby steps we're only kind of in our third year now so we're still we're still working on it um, I want to get to a point where 
Iswis has a good reputation, which it does. You know, people are starting to hear about us now. Yes. Um, people are, um, I'm meeting people at conferences and things and they're going, oh, I follow you on Instagram. Or, oh, I've listened to this podcast that you were on. Or, oh, I read your newsletters or something like that. So um, that's really good. I've got a really good reputation in the courts and chambers. So I'd like to build on that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to work at a more political level again. I'd really, really enjoy that. So having some influence there. Um, so I do a bit of work with Baswa around that. And um, I'd like to build on that a bit more in the future. But I don't know. I'm, I think, I, oh gosh, my accountant's like, you need to have a five-year plan. I'm like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing next week sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, he's not a social worker, as you can probably tell. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I think... I'd like to build it up to be a kind of international company at some point, but how that looks, I don't know. Um, I'm really open to just seeing how things develop and grow organically and, yes. you know, just making sure that we're doing the right thing for the young people that we're supporting, I suppose. Absolutely. It sounds exciting. And honestly, I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing what more comes from immigration social work services, because already it's, already a journey that I feel quite privileged to have seen at least over the last year um and so I'm really looking forward to seeing it grow further oh thanks me too who knows where I'm going to be in a year absolutely so lastly Joe, where can people find you if they wanted to make contact with you or wanted to find out more about the services you offer yeah, sure. So um a good place to head first of all is our website so we are www.iswS hyphen ltd.co.uk um, I'm also on Instagram at Immigration Social Work Services and I am on Facebook with the same name so if you just google on Facebook Immigration Social Work Services we should pop up or if you are on LinkedIn come and find me there and I am Jo Schofield. Amazing thank you. So Jo I've really enjoyed this conversation um, I, you know for me I found it really insightful inspiring and actually, I think a lot of social workers will be able to take a lot from it and, and feel the same. I've heard lots of gems and, and lots of things that have got me thinking myself. So it's been really, really good. So thank you very much for joining us, Jo. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been lovely. So I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Social Work Leaders and for more information about Jo and how to access her services I've put all the information down below so you can follow those links and find her. Thanks for listening.